So we can just be more conservative and you should be probably more conservative with your investments anyways. You shouldn't be taking large risks once you're retired. So the key is find out how long will your money last. You might have to work a little bit longer. And sometimes those just that last year or two will make a difference of your money lasting another three to five years longer. It's so important to get those last years of work in there. But it also increases your social security as well. Yeah. And because they take the highest 35 earning years. So even those last two, three years of work could increase your benefits by two, $300 a month. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome into Retirement Reality Podcast, the podcast that focuses on retirement planning, financial planning, investments, a lot of different things. Uh, all that entire plan, what that encompasses, we talk about it right here with Mike Coyne, the founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services, servicing the Minneapolis, St. Paul, Western Wisconsin area. They can be found online at principalpreservationservices.com. Mike, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing awesome today, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, you know, we just passed Black Friday. If you're listening to this episode, it's, it was recorded right after Black Friday. I, I know you got a big family, but I know you're not big on stuff. Where does Black Friday fit into your family? Does anybody get participate in this or get involved, or you guys just ignore it altogether? I used to go and get a couple key items, and uh, but I don't do that anymore. Now my older children... They're interested in getting a couple of items, but they're not out all night. You know, the biggest, uh, again, it's the zoo out there, and I don't want to be in that rat race, but <laughs> I'll tell you about 10, 11 years ago, my son wanted a, a laptop at Walmart. And so I remember I said, you know what? I don't really need a laptop, but, you know, I'll sit with you and I'll get a good deal on one. You know, I'm a, I'm a businessman. So I'm like, you know what? I'll get a good deal. I'll, I'll spend my six, seven hours in line or wherever it was. And I'll just turn around. I'll sell it. I'll make myself a hundred, you know, hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, because what's what's my time worth? Right. So he he needed a laptop. I, I said yeah, I didn't need one, but I'll I'll buy one and I'll get a good deal. And that's just you know survival of the fittest, right? So I we sat there for from ten o'clock at night till I don't think they were released till five in the morning. <laughs> and so seven hours of my time, I, I get the laptop. I remember I go to list it online on actually on Craigslist. And I got lit up like no tomorrow that people were so upset at me that I took their their deal away from them and that I should be ashamed of myself. And uh, <laughs> I got so much nasty emails and phone calls Jeez. that I said, you know what, it's not worth it. I said, you know what, people said they showed up at 5 o'clock, they're all gone. I go, well, if you weren't yeah. in line by 10, 15 p.m. the night before, you wouldn't have gotten one. So reality is... That was a bad taste in my mouth. I said, I'm not interested in this anymore. <laughs> it's not worth the hassle. Or the, it is not worth it at all. That's funny. Yeah, that I, I can't believe they recognized the model and everything as soon as you put it online. Oh, they did. Yeah, the picture and the the model, they knew that they have these ads, these Black Friday <laughs> shoppers. They know exactly what it was, and uh, they didn't want me to profit for my time, unfortunately, so. And I'm sure some of those were, were looking to do the same thing you were doing. They just uh, they were probably upset you beat them to it. So it is what it is. That's funny. All right. Today on today's show, we got awkward conversations. And it sounds like you had a few after that Black Friday experience. But <laughs> we're talking about them in terms of financial planning and, and working with a financial advisor. Look, you know, sometimes you have to have awkward conversations with a client. 
It's just part of it. And it's part of the process of really getting a full picture on who someone is and what their life's all about. Um, but on the flip side of that, if you're working with an advisor and you're not having these awkward conversations, then you should push your advisor to talk about these things and figure out a plan for them. So that's what we're going to get into. But I want to first get into a mailbag question. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So this one comes from Charlie. He says, it seems counterintuitive to move out of a house that I paid off 10 years ago, but I'm retiring next month and I'm considering renting a townhome instead so I don't have to worry about maintenance and repairs. Would that be a dumb move? Well, you know, that's a decision. It's uh, it's probably not an easy yes or no answer because depends on what kind of house you have. And I mean, the problem is when your house is paid off, all you have to do is pay real estate taxes, insurance, and maintenance on it. And I'm, I'm sure probably maintenance on it is more than you want. But the problem with rent right now is we've seen rent just go up and up and up. Ever since the real estate bubble, when people had lost their homes, what happened to rent in those periods? Well, rental space was hard to get by. And so these landlords are able to charge more. And we just know, you know, rent is going up at inflation a little bit higher. And so I hate to have somebody, you sell the house for, you know, you net $200,000 and now you're going to pay rent a townhome for $1,500 a month, that's 18000 a year. Roughly with inflation in 10 years, that money's gone. And so there's a lot of different factors to think about. So, you know, if you're doing this and you at 65, you downsize to a townhome by 75, now you got to pay rent on your pocket. So you're probably going to spend more money. You might be better off buying something. And another thing to consider with, you know, townhomes and condominiums, these have have association dues. And so mm-hmm. now you're, yeah, you might be paying $1,500 a month, but you also might be paying the association dues included, which are, you know, might be $200 a month, $250 a month that includes garbage and snow removal. And you might just be better off to stay in the house and pay somebody to take care of the things that you don't want to take care of. It'll be cheaper than renting. And you're in a most likely a larger house, which has a better opportunity for appreciation Anyways, that's my two cents. Hope that answers your question, Charlie. And, and look, this sounds like something that would be a great conversation to have with uh, your a professional, whether it be Mike and his team or whoever you work with, Charlie, to kind of figure out all your different options and, and weigh the pros and cons for each because it seems like there's a lot of factors that can, can go into that decision as you add up the, the total amount and the cost to everything. So thanks yeah. for writing in on that. And if you have any questions, you can send them in to principalpreservationservices.com. You can also uh, connect with Mike and his team on Facebook, Principal Preservation Services. Send in a, a question there as well, and uh, we'll feature it on this podcast. All right, let's move on to our main topic today. And again, awkward conversations. So again, these are the questions that you know you might not want to talk about, the topics you might not want to discuss with someone, but they need to be hashed out in order to figure out what kind of plan you need to put in place. So let's start off with one, Mike, that I think is obviously very difficult for anyone to have, and that's the death of a spouse. So how does that conversation play out and how does that affect the financial plan that you're putting together? Yeah. And you need to have this conversation with your advisor or whoever you're working with, because you can't just expect that both husband and wife are going to live till 90, 95 years old. That's not realistic. I mean, it does happen, but we know that the statistics don't prove, you know, show that you walk into a nursing home, you know, that majority of the nursing home people living there, staying there 
are females because usually they're on average lower in the lower age in the relationship, but they tend to live longer. So it's just so important to know that, you know, the planning, what are some of the factors that go involved when, when you do planning? We'd run this for all of our clients when we do a situation on, on our planning. We'll make sure that we show that one of the social securities drops off. So what happens is the surviving spouse will get the larger of the two social securities. We don't expect both those social securities to go forever. So we'll drop off the smallest social security at a certain age, maybe at age 85. Depending on health situations, people tell me do it even lower. But also if there's a pension, does that pension go on? Is it only half? Now, a lot of people say, well, my expenses will be a lot less. Well, not much. It'll be a little bit less. I mean, there's a little bit less food. <laughs> there's a, you know less Medicare cost. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you only need one car instead of you had two. But for the most part, you're looking at 80, 85% of your expenses you have are going to maintain to be about the same. So they're really not going to be affected that much. So I always think, let's always, when we do planning, you plan for the worst, hope for the best. So we always want to give the worst situation to make sure that your money's going to last. But it's so important to, to factor what happens when one is gone and, and reduce those incomes and, and those expenses maybe reduce just a little bit. Another spot that we don't really want to think about could, you know, affecting us. We like to think that, you know, we'll be able to live our life how we want with our family, in our house, wherever that is. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, we have to rely on nursing home care, whether for ourselves or for a loved one. So that's something you have to discuss is how are we going to prepare and how can we take care of a nursing home if it's needed? Yeah, it's not fun. And we know that, you know, nursing homes are being built left and right because of this aging population right now, the baby boomers, you still have 10,000 people turning 65 years old every day for roughly the next dozen years. You know, the biggest generation out there is getting older, 79 million baby boomers out there. So we know that's inevitable. You have a 50-50 chance to spend some time in a nursing home. If you get it to 65, you have a 50-50 chance to spend some sort of time in a nursing home. And reality is the average is about 18 months, okay. you know, a year and a half if you're going to a nursing home. Now, obviously, some people are only there for a few months. Some people are there for, you know, a decade. It's expensive. Today's cost for a private room in Minnesota is a little over 10000 a month. In Wisconsin, it's, I think, about 9500 a month is 2019 figures. But the nursing care, home care costs are increasing above inflation rates. So we're looking at, you know, if you're 65 years old today, and if you went to the nursing home in about 20 years, you're looking at about twenty-two to 23000 a month, dollar for dollar figures. And if you figure you have to go in there for two years, that's about a half a million dollars. So are you going to self-fund it or do you have long-term care insurance? What will that look like for you? If you're married and you got to self-fund it, well, you got to self-fund it till your assets get down to your financial assets, about 119000 and change. And then Medicaid steps in and they flip the bill, but it's still not free money. So they will actually put liens against properties. And so it's not as what it's cracked up to. If you want the government to pay for it, it's not going to be a pretty picture. We're talking about awkward conversations you need to be having with your financial advisor. And the next one is one that, you know, on the surface may not seem too awkward, but you know, when we think about our retirement date and and how we're going to get there, we like to think that We have everything in control, but sometimes you're humbled a little bit and find out that you might have to work longer than you anticipated. But finding that out early enough is is much better than realizing that once you get to retirement. 
Right. And I love having the conversations on the opposite where people think they have to work longer. And I tell them, what are you doing working? You can be retired right now. Yeah. And, and their eyes light up and it's exciting for them. But we do have those conversations where people say, I, I, I'm just exhausted at work. I need to go. I need to quit. I need to retire. And I'm thinking, you're not ready. I said, here's the problem. You're going to, your money's only expected to live to last till maybe mid eighties. I said, that doesn't seem long enough. I said, and plus you're, you're not giving any cushion in there, any wiggle room for errors or any kind of medical expenses or like we just talked about nursing homes. So I will have these conversations. That's why it's so important to run these analyses out to show you what is the life expectancy of your money. Because it's always good to run them in only a, a bull market. But what if your money had to go through a 2008? What if it had to go through a 2000 to 2002, the tech bubble? What if it had to go through both? Mm-hmm. It's so important to see what that looks like in retirement. And if your advisor's running these hypotheticals that your money's making, you know, six to eight or ten percent guaranteed every year, that's not realistic. We want to be more realistic for you. Uh, we know the S and P five hundred the last twenty years. That was actually nineteen ninety nine to twenty eighteen. We'll see what it ends up this year, but is only averaged three point six three percent. So. We can just be more conservative, and you should be probably more conservative with your investments anyways. You shouldn't be taking large risks once you're retired. So the key is find out how long will your money last. You might have to work a little bit longer. And sometimes those just that last year or two will make a difference of your money lasting another three to five years longer. It's so important to get those last years of work in there. But it also increases your Social Security as well yeah, and because they take the highest 35 earning years. So the, even those last two, three years of work could increase your benefits by two, $300 a month. Hmm. It's important. That is important. The next awkward conversation is sitting down with your children and telling them, hey, this is how you fit into our estate plan or our legacy plan, or this is how you're not going to fit into our legacy plan. Everybody handles it differently, but to make sure your children know how that's going to be handled when that point comes. Yeah, my opinion on this is I... I'm a big fan of letting your children know what you have and where it's at. It's not their estate. It's not their decision. They're just going to be the beneficiaries of it. But it's important to know that, you know, did you have a, you know, a will or trust and where are these documents? I think it's important to do uh, revocable, revocable living trusts, however you want to say it, that make sure that everything is going to avoid the court system and go directly to you know, the trustees, so the trustees can disperse it without having to go to the courts. I think it's important to tell the children where that is and who's the trustees of that. Have those conversations, but it's not their estate. They didn't, they didn't work 35, 45 years to build that up. That's where I, I think it's <laughs> some of these children tell these, their parents says, don't be spending my inheritance. I was like, <laughs> right. I'm like, you're lucky if you get anything. I exactly. mean, that's, and I, I like the, the attitude people come in here is my, this is my money, my estate. If I blow it all great, if I don't, then I want it to go to them. And that's the key. And, and some people are, are in the business or are doing so well, it's inevitable to leave their children something or a large estate anyway. So that's great to do a planning for that. And we know some of the children are not doing as well as other families are doing well. Like a client yesterday, both their children are doctors and they both married doctors. And he goes, they said money to them. Um, and not saying doctors make uh, what they used to make years ago proportionally, but they're not hurting for money. And they look at money different than my client had to look at money. 
And uh, he did very well for himself off of working a blue collar job and actually established millions. But for them, establishing millions won't be as difficult or a big of a feat for them. So the key is getting that plan put together. The last one we want to hit on quickly is that conversation with an advisor about an advisor. So, you know, there are situations where you you work with someone that you might like as a person, you'll have a good relationship, you get along well, but it doesn't really work best for you and your plan. So you have to have that conversation with them and part ways if that's what needed. After all, it is your money. Yeah, we, we hear this a lot too. And if you're into these personality tests, I think they're fun. You ever take those personality tests, Ben? Yeah. You kind of find out what your personality is, and and they get these colors. You got blue, you got green, you got yellow, you got red, and each color. I, I like these personality tests. And what we're trying to there's in the green category. These are the people who are very trusting. They're loyal. They're usually not the ones to start a project, but they're one to get behind a project. Right. These are the people that typically have a hard time leaving an advisor, even if it's a detriment to losing their money, because they're, they're more about keeping that relationship strong. And they're more about, you know, not having conflict in their life. The flip side is, you know, by being with the wrong advisor or investments with that advisor, it could cost them money. So that's why I said on an earlier podcast, I remind people, I said, whose money is this? And they said, mine. I said, who's going to care the most about your money? I will. And I said, you have to make that decision. It's your money. And just because you go to church with them or as a family friend, you know, I have somebody I'm working with. He goes, my brother's got some of my money, but I don't want him to have the rest. And uh, (laughs) I don't want him to know that I have other money somewhere else because I don't think he's doing a great job with it. He goes, and I don't want to have that relationship. I'm going to let him keep some of my money and I want the other money somewhere else. But you need to have those conversations. And just because you were successful the last, you know, roughly decade, who hasn't been? Who has not been successful? So don't attribute all that to the advisor. It's funny that certain advisors will will like to take credit for it and pat themselves on the back, say, look what I've done for you. But when the market's down, you know who they put the blame on? The market. Yeah. Say, I can't control the market. I think it was interesting. I just recently helped a, a client this last month come on board. And she was leaving a large brokerage firm and she contacted her advisor, let her know she was making this change. And her advisor came back and says, why would you want to leave me when I've, your accounts are up, I think 15% for the year. And so my client came back to me and says, well, how do I respond to this? I said, well, she's talking from January. This is at the time, January till September. I go, who didn't make you know, a, a double digit return mm-hmm. January to September, 2019. I said, the market's been up considerably because is she concluding the last three months of 2018 when the market took a significant loss? It's interesting how she's cherry picking a certain time frame, And so you have to look at, you know, don't just be manipulated by the numbers and by the facts. You have to really look at your money, who are, is invested appropriately, is in the right spot. Do you have a proper distribution plan? Do they understand the rules of IRAs and, and required minimum distribution and QCDs and Roth conversions? And so many, uh, they do tax planning as well, or they just sold you some mutual funds that you've been in for 10 years, five years, whatever it might be, nothing's changed. 
Well, bottom line is these are all tricky situations that you need to work with an advisor on and need to have these conversations because, you know, Michael tell you him and his team, they can't help you out if they don't know all the facts to your situation. So you got to talk about the things you don't want to talk about or you don't feel comfortable speaking about with someone else that you maybe not know, but that's what building a good relationship with an advisor can help you with and, and do for you. So you know, I recommend you reach out to Mike and his team, Principal Preservation Services. You can find them online at principalpreservationservices.com. Also on the phone, 855-987-8888. And check out their website. A lot of great resources. You can find past episodes of this podcast. Plus, you can get uh, access to Mike's book, uh, Mama's Secret Recipe for Retirement Success, plus a lot more. It's on his website there indeed. And if you like what you see, make sure you reach out to Mike, set up an appointment, and sit down with him and, and talk about these Awkward topics that no one wants to talk about, but they have to. So, Mike, thanks for uh, walking us through all of these, and uh, hopefully we've learned a little bit today on this episode. I hope so, and we're looking forward to uh, chatting with you here in December. Yes, indeed. So thanks for joining us on this episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and have the next one delivered to you. We have a new episode every single week. So until next time, we'll talk to you then. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.